It'd be foolish if we not use it in force. Huge money is responsible for the church, and that is the CDA church family. It is not a whole city family. So we don't have all of them in the leadership team, Pastor Bailey, Pastor Schroeder, and the whole team. But I think we have to pass this out as long as we go and come back on stage. Bombs. And what's meaning? Yeah. 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 But also, you don't want to just worry about getting the bulletin version. We have 12 years in the city, health labors, the same heart, and the same mission, and the same force. It's a different expression. And about two years ago at this point, Yeah. 
Church family here coming out of the fault And so a lot of people Person with divine loyalty 
is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. I call this message, How Much Longer Will You Make How Much Longer Will You Make It? Straight up on text. I'm going to ask your neighbor, your other neighbor, the one who's maybe in the past, you didn't think of the first time, so I'm going to ask him, How much longer? Come on, everybody. How much longer will you make it? The last couple of years have taught us anything in the church and the body of Christ is that there's a whole bunch of folk wavering. It's become more and more obvious the double mindedness of so many who would call themselves followers of Jesus. These last few years, it's not just the last few years, really, this has been happening. Throughout history, people waver uh, on the fence, running to both ways, serving the Lord sometimes, serving the Lord on Sunday, serving the flesh on Friday. I think you know that one. We see this all the time. It's not it's not just for a generation, older the generation. We see this in young people, we see this in older people. In church, out of church. On the front side of the people, 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 on the front the people, on the front side of the people, on the front side of the people, on the front side of the people, the land of two souls, who has one for the earth and another for heaven, who wishes to secure both worlds. He will not give up earth, and he is loath to let heaven go. And the Lord gave me this message for today, and I'm going to stop. As much prefer to take a week off of summer break and sit there and celebrate. Pastor's asked laundry, but the Lord, for some reason, wants me to ask this question to every person in here and every person watching online. How much longer will you waver? How much longer will you waver? How much longer will you straddle the fence? How much longer will you be hot on Sunday? I'm not talking about because you got the ground and the jacket on. And cold on Mondays. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How, how much longer will you be righteous on Sundays and ratchet on Saturday night? How much longer will you be holy for a few hours and then a hot mess the rest of the 
of the week. I want to echo Joshua 37, Joshua 24, 15, but it's serving the Lord being undesirable to you. Then choose for yourself this day. I just feel it so strongly in my spirit that, that we're running out of time. I don't know what that means, but, but we're running out of time. And I, I feel it so strongly in my spirit as the shepherd of this house and the majestic voice of this region to ask you on today, how much longer will you wait for? Choose this day whom you're going to serve. If you're going to serve the gods of your ancestors, do that. If you're going to serve your flesh, do that. Hear the voice of the Lord through his scripture. If you're going to serve false gods, do that. If you're going to live with yourself, do that. But also, if you're going to serve the Lord, come on, today is the day to come and be separated and make up your mind on any and false Jesus, I'm not going to waver between two opinions any longer. There are some dangers of wavering. Quickly, dangers of wavering. James 1, 68. When you ask me, be sure your faith is in God alone and not waver. The person who divided over me is as unsettled as a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. Such people, hello, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Here's the consequences or the dangers of waiting. Check this out. They're all unwords, unsettled. As long as you waver between serving God and serving your flesh, being obedient to God or giving you what you want to do, you will always be unsettled. Here's another way to think of it. You'll never be truly happy. Some of y'all are too safe to really enjoy being happy. You do it, but then you don't feel right. Then you feel safe. You're too safe. Right? But some y'all are too comfortable to come in on today and go through the, the worship experience and truly enjoy it. And if you like people who really was God, the Holy Spirit convicted you, I don't like this. I don't like this. You know what people say that? People who are in sin.
God's people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Elijah, James, and Jesus. 
Let me say once more, how much longer will you wait for? Those who want to live online, how much longer will you wait for? First time guests. Haven't been to church for several years, how much longer will you wait for? Person who comes every week, but lives like crazy Monday through Saturday, how much longer? Will you waver? How do we stop being double-minded? How do we stop being lukewarm? How do we stop being torn between these two worlds? I believe the text out of First Kings chapter 18 on top of Mount Carmel shows us how we can do this. And I want these points to be more than just certain points. If I can preach this message, we don't know to this author, but I want to try to package this in a way. And I think it will really help us for those of you who are struggling with wavering. Let me, let me say up front, the fact that you're wavering does not make God love you anywhere. The fact that you're wavering does not make God's city love you anywhere. The fact that you're wavering does not keep you from coming to church. In fact, I would hope if you're wavering, you will continue to come to church. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of conviction and then celebration. This is a message of urgency. God is not mad at you. He actually loves you so much. He sent me on today to give you a little nudge, a little wake-up call. So we look at the steps out of 1 Kings 18, and, and we see steps that Elijah takes that I think each of us can take if we struggle with wavering in seasons where we feel ourselves wavering. We can do these things. Number one, write this down. We can stop believing for Baal. 1 Kings 18, 25-29, I think we only have 28 and 29 food on the screen. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. So the context is, this is the showdown on top of Mount Carmel. It's Elijah versus 850 prophets. Right? 450 Baal, 400 Asherah. And they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build an altar. You build yours. I'll put mine. Then y'all proud to your God. I'm proud to my God. We'll see which God actually does something. Right? Okay. So Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you go first. For there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it. Call it on the name of your God. But do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. And they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime. Shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But there is no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling, mm-hmm. wavering around the altar they had made. Around noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You have to shout louder, he thought. For certainly he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or relieving himself. This is New Living Transition, as you can tell. Or maybe he is away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. Verse 28. So they shouted louder 
and following the normal custom tradition, they trust themselves with knives and swords until the blood rushed out. They laid all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, and no response. You see, the most familiar irony and common folks to God's people in the Old Testament was Baal. Baal literally means owner or prince or lord of the earth. Baal worship is seen all throughout the Old Testament. And it's under this king Ahab and his wife Jezebel that Baal worship was not just an option but mandated. Ahab and Jezebel sought to completely replace Jehovah God with Baal. And so common practice in Baal worship was to cut yourselves, to, to bleed as a form of sacrifice. They would also sacrifice children unto Baal. And it was so perverted, so perverse that they would actually have sexual orgies around the idol as a form of worship to Baal. You see, Baal symbolizes, amongst many other things, sexual freedom or giving in to the flesh. We don't see many literal Baal idols any longer. But people are bowing to Baal every single day, even now. People giving into their flesh. People wanting to, to do whatever feels good. To just live according to what they want to do. People believe that bowing down and worshiping Baal would bring three things. It would bring rainwater to their crops. That's provision. They believe it would bring strength to defeat their enemies. That's protection. They believe it would bring fertility to produce children. That's production or potential. And so in an effort to conceive children, they would sacrifice children. They would pump themselves until they bleed. They would do things that, that were just not normal and completely contradictory to what God would have them do. They were placing their hope, their affection on a false God, spilling their own blood for Baal. And as I was studying this message, I just felt the Lord tell me, tell them, stop bleeding for Baal. Listen, there does have to be blood shed for a sacrifice to be legit. But the blood is not your blood. Come on in here, Hope City. You have to bleed for Baal when Jesus already did it for you. There is somebody that shed his blood at the whipping post. He shed his blood from the crown of thorns on his head. He shed his blood at the crown of his beard. his blood. Continue to spit him and lift him and talk to him. The spirit is fine. The medicine is fine. 
building altars. If we built as many altars as we do statues, things would be different. This word rebuild is the word rapha. It is the same word, Jehovah, rapha. It means to heal. It means to make whole. It means to bend. Amen, excuse me, mend. It means to cure. And so the first thing Elijah does is he rapha's the altar. He, he brings healing back to the altar. He restores the altar. And I don't know what I'm preaching to, but I feel this so strongly in my spirit. Some of y'all used to have a very active altar in your life. Some of y'all used to be on fire with your worship to the Lord. But for whatever reason, you let the circumstances, yes, the circumstances or the problems of your life, you let people in your life tear down that altar. And God is saying, today is the day to quit wavering and it's time to rebuild the altar in Jesus' name. Somebody say, rebuild the altar. Watch this. He takes 12 stones. 12 stones. One for each of the tribes. 12, the number of disciples. 12, the number of baskets left over. 12, which in the Bible speaks of kingdoms and kingdom government or structure. Listen, it means order. Because my God is a God of order. I don't know what religious spirit needs to hear this. My God is not the offer of confusion. My God is the offer of order. If it's out of order, it ain't God. If the church is out of order, it's not godly. If your ministry is out of order, it's not godly. God is not a God of disorder or confusion. He's a God of clarity. He's a God of order. Even when the Apostle Paul is speaking about the gifts of the Spirit, he finishes his sentiments and instructions and inspiration by the Holy Ghost to let us know everything must be done in decency and in order. And so he takes 12 stones. 12 speaks of order, but it also with order comes much authority. It speaks of authority. Oh, I feel like preaching this. Can I teach you something? There's 12 disciples. Judas hangs himself. They're down to how many? Some of you got mad with you. 11. They've been promised the outpouring of the book of Acts, Holy Ghost. But before they could receive what was in disorder, 11, had to get back in order, 12. They picked two men. There were qualifications, but at the end of the day, it's all in favor of qualified in this type of context. It didn't really matter who it was. How do I know this? Because the 11 chose the new 12 
by a coin slip. Read your Bible. If it's heads, it's you, bro. If it's tails, sorry, it's you, bro. Why? Because it wasn't about the man. It was about getting back in order. It was about getting back to 12. And after 12, after order comes, then the Holy Spirit is released to double something that's out of order. He takes 12 stones. I wish I had time to have a little right there. He builds a trench, and we'll say overflow. He builds a trench that speaks to the fact that he is prepared for the overflow. When I build the altar, it's not just to receive something on the altar. When I'm serving God, I don't want to just get enough. When I'm serving the Lord, I don't want to just bury his body or just survive or just hang on. That's what one of these days Jesus calls me home. I want to prepare for the overflow. Well, I'm preaching to 
You're in church history today, too. God is saying, I want you to get your order in place and then get you some wood. Now, what's interesting about the wood is if you study how they would lay the wood out, they would go pieces this way and then pieces this way. This way and this way. This way and this way. The wood will be this way and this way. You're smoking, you're working now. I'm talking about that man's like piece of wood. That goes this way and that way. This one is called the Holy Cross. And this one, Jesus, God upon. It's the one that will shut up the altar to the cross. So that the fire of God to them be for me. I'm going to say amen. Build the altar. Y'all got two trucks to work here. Rebuild the altar. Number three, check this out. He cuts the bowl. Put the verse up for him. They think I'll mind. He cuts the bowl. I don't know who this is for. Ask your neighbor, is this for you? Come on, ask your neighbor. Ask him. Ask him. I'm going to keep telling you to ask him to do it. Ask him. Is this for you? Is this for you? You, you serve your arms crossed. Is this for you? Huh? Man, scroll on the ground. Is this for you? Is this for you? It's time uh-huh, uh-huh, to cut the bulls. I'm telling somebody, it's time to cut the bulls. It's time to cut the bulls. Some of y'all been living with some bulls for too long. You, you come in with your church face and your church outfit and talk about I'm blessed and highly favored. But then you leave and you cuss out your kids all the way home and you live like hell Monday through Saturday and God is saying, it's time to cut the bull. Why do we need to cut the bull, Pastor? Because if you look at what they look like. They are what they God is saying, it's time to cut the bull. Cut the bull book, please. Cut the bull out of your life. Cut the bull out of your life. In terms of pain worship, it's time to get rid of some stuff. I don't know who this is for, but God is asking you, do you really think you're fucking him? Do you really think he don't know? Because you can fool your pastor. You can fool your spouse, maybe even. You can fool your connector leader. You can fool your team leader. You can fake it till you make it for a few Sundays. But can I remind you, God already knows. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks straight at the heart. And the Lord is saying, Would you put waver it? How do I put waver it, Pastor? You put waver by cutting the bull. I don't know what the bull is in your life. For some of you, the bull is old habits. For some of you, the bull is old mindsets. For some of you, the bull is a relationship that you're in. But God is saying, today is the day to slap that sucker on the altar. And let the Holy Spirit do what it's been trying to do this whole time. The fire is ready. It's coming. The wood is there. The stone is replaced. It's time to cut the bull. Number four, you got to rinse it with the water. You see, the comment too is, why do I get my 
sacrifice and meant before I'm trying to get it to catch on fire. If you study scripture, you learn that one of the predominant themes of water and rinsing with water is that it symbolizes the word of God. In fact, Ephesians 5.26 says, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Pastor, how do I quit wavering? How do I get out of my lukewarmness? You've got to let the word of God wash your life. This is important and powerful because the entire sacrifice was soaking wet. Listen, that means that means Elijah didn't only let the water touch the parts of the bowl that he wanted it to. Because so many believers want the Word of God to wash them in all the areas except this one. Am I telling the truth? I want to follow the Lord. But not, not, not this. Not this. Not this. I believe in the body of the body. And you have to adopt the word of God, the totality for all of it is God breathing We say it all the time, you can't pick and choose which part of scripture you want to let wash you. It's either all of it or none of it. And it wasn't like a little spring in our text. In fact, it got soaked. But not just soaked once. Soaked twice. It was soaked three times. How many buckets full, Pastor? Read the Bible. Twelve. Because he's speaking to bringing order as the rinsing that takes place when God's word is involved. There is only authority in Scripture when you submit to it totally. It can't just be, I like the blessings, but not the obedience. That's out of order. Going to get rinsed by the water and slapped and done. There was some proving prayer. Elijah begins to call out to God. And Elijah is not asking God to help Elijah 
through Elijah's gifting. Elijah is asking the Lord for him to prove himself. For Elijah realizes he's nothing more than a vessel, a vehicle, an altar rebuilder. And he asked the Lord to prove himself. You see, for some of you who are laboring, felt the Lord kind of leading me to just tell him to do this. You're wondering if God is good or not. You're wondering if it's worth it or not. Here's what the Lord says. It's asking the proof. Mm-hmm. Asking the proof. Not going to put him into the test mode. He said, no, I need you to prove it. Even in the moments where it's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Elijah goes through the steps. He's not bound and weak to bear. He rebuilds the altar. He cuts the bull. Washes the water. Has proven prayer. Watch. Then the fire comes. There's an order to this. Then the fire comes. And the fire in our text produces repentance. It produces People falling off their face, crying out to God. It produces the 850 false prophets dying. One more thing happens that kind of blew me away how we done this. This first kind of, it's in the way at the end of the chapter. It's so powerful. Verse 46. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. Watch. He tucked his cloak into his bed and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. This is powerful on these layers and levels. First of all, can we just all notice? that a man on foot outran a chariot. Not just a little bit. This is not a hundred yard or a hundred meter sprint. This is all the way. Elijah was given supernatural watch it, acceleration. This is a prophetic word for this house. This is a prophetic word for your house. Listen. In a world filled with people in chariots. God is saying, would you refuse the chariot? I know it looks faster. I know it looks better. I know it's got ornaments. I know everyone else would say, take the chariot. But God is saying, refuse the chariot. 
refuse the vehicle in which Baal worshippers choose. And as you do, the Spirit of the Lord will give you, will give us supernatural acceleration. I feel this so strongly. God is saying, what should have taken 10 years is going to take two. What should have taken a lifetime, there's going to be a spirit of acceleration. Come over to City Church. I feel it so strongly. Yes, thank you, Jesus. That when we get our new building, it's not going to take forever. That when the human architects and builders tell us it's going to take years to renovate or use to build God's name, there's going to be a spirit of acceleration.
Thank you, Father. 